breathe your first breath of natural oxygen out of the womb, I already had a plan for you. And everyone in this room is the same way. Everyone in this room. Hallelujah. Turn over to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. And we'll start in verse 15. He says this, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret. Again, I'm reading out of the Amplified. And in, uh, intrinsically and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I like that. Saw my unformed substance. Amen? And goes on and says, And in your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. You understand, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means, right now, God's going backwards in one sense. Because He's already seen the end. And he, you're just trying to catch up to what He already knows. See, we're just trying to catch up with what He already knows about us. Hallelujah. Because before we even came here, while we were still in a place that's unseen, God knew us and birthed us into the scene to have a purpose in this earth. Every one of us has great significance. Every one of us has great significance. And our challenge is, is to find out what is this significance that I was created to do. Because God needs you on planet earth. God needs you here. Amen. This is very significant. Okay? And so it says, listen, my, uh, my, my, um, my unformed substance and your book, all the days of my life are written. That means he already had a plan for you. Now, you say, okay, Pastor Earl, so now we're into predestination, which means I don't control my own life. Yes, you do, because you are free will moral agent. You can choose not to do what God had planned for you. You can go your own course. There's no doubt. God will not make you. He will not force you. But if you want the greatest thing in this life is to do his plan and to do his will. Well, why would we want to do that? Because He's a loving God who cares about us and knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Woo, glory to God, amen. Come on now. I mean, in fact, the Bible talks about uh, Solomon and all of his splendor and all the clothes. He was a great king, uh, the, one, the wisest king and the wealthiest king ever on the face of the planet. And the Lord said, I don't care how much he's, it means it's nothing in comparison to the lilies of the field. I mean, you look at mere creation and God's got it going on. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth, right? I mean, everything we see in this natural world, God created as far as the earth's concerned. Amen? God created these things. And I mean, the detail in His creation. Amen? I mean, science is just trying to understand what God created. I mean, they can boast at all about knowledge that they are only discovering of what God's made with a spoken word. He said, let there be and there. I mean, they're still trying to figure out things that He just spoke into existence. I mean, that's how, how awesome our God is, is He just says it and it happens, and yet we for lifetimes have been trying to discover what this is that He's created. Well, if we're still trying to discover photosynthesis, things in biology, things concerning the way the world works, well, how much more does the Creator know about you? I mean, listen, God's been very, He's been very able to keep the sea from stopping at the shore. He set a boundary for that thing, 
and it's been there. Every once in a while it will overstep that based upon the world is in tribulation because the world itself is not in the state God originally created it. Because you see, Genesis 1-1, that's how God wanted the earth to be. But in Genesis 3, the earth came into a different state. Because in Genesis 1-26, the Bible says, after He's made everything in five days, on the sixth day He makes His crowning creation, and He doesn't speak this into existence, but He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Right? And He said, let him have what? Dominion or rule over what? The fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In fact, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that he uh, created the earth not to be inhabited, uh, uh, um, uh, to be uninhabited. He created it with us in mind. In fact, he created the earth for us. And he tells Adam this question, or he tells Adam, he says, Now, Adam, as he places him in the garden, he says, You may eat of any tree, any fruit in the garden, you can eat of it freely, but the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So I ask this question all the time. If Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be? Adam wasn't trying to get to heaven because it was heaven on earth. It was a perfect world. It was an extension of heaven's realm. The unseen heaven realm, God created the seen earth and He created a physical body for the spirit of man to be in to stay on planet earth. That's why those people in Genesis chapter 5 lived all those years because God never intended for man to have to leave planet earth. Even today, when you get born again, if I said, well, you're not really with God, Nikki. I mean, God, He doesn't really talk to you. You'd be like, you're a liar. I said, no, no, you're not in heaven. You can't see Him, so you're not talking to Him yet. You say you're lying. Why? Because in the spirit realm, His spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Because by grace, through faith, you've been saved. You called on the name of the Lord, and He saved you. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And God speaks to you. Right now. Right here. On this planet. Hallelujah. He spoke to me this today as I was coming here, what to preach. I'm going through some things. I'm praying. I'm praying in the Spirit, talking to the Lord. And He says, go here. And I hear His voice. Hallelujah. And He's alive and well in me because greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. Amen. And if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives where? In us. So if we don't have to get to heaven to experience God, we can experience Him now. Hallelujah. So we come to find out, based upon this um, beginning of the world, that God created man in His image and in His likeness for Him to have dominion, that really what this Bible is about is about a king, his kingdom, and his offspring. In fact, when Jesus came back, He came to restore God's kingdom. Because He preaches in Matthew chapter 4, His first message is this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. You understand, in the end, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be the great white throne judgment. Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. They're on thrones. Why? Because they're kings. See, God has a government. It's called a kingdom. And it exists right now. Amen. Jesus Himself called Himself a king. In John chapter 18, when talking to Pilate, Pilate says, are you a king? He said, well, did someone tell you about me? Look at this for yourself. John 18, starting in verse 33 through 37. He says, listen, He says, are you a king? He said, did somebody tell you about me or did you learn this on your own? He said, look, I'm not a Jew, am I? He said, your own people have delivered you over to me. Then Jesus makes this statement. He says, 
my kingdom's not of this realm. For if it were, my servants would not let me be handed over to the Jews. But as I said, my kingdom's of another realm. I mean, right now we are in society and there's a government in Washington. I don't see it. Now I can get there, right? And there's a president, had never met him personally. Never saw him. I mean, how do we know that's not a computer image? Have you seen Avatar? Them blue people look real. How do we know President Obama is even a real person? Come on now. I'm preaching. Amen. I mean, some of that, 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 that computer, man, they landed on the moon, man. They landed on the moon. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, though? Well, but we believe it. Come on now. Well, is there another realm out there? And Jesus said this. He said, you say correctly that I am a king. And for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the earth. Listen, the wise men came seeking what? They didn't come seeking a religious man. They came seeking the head of a government. Amen. Isaiah prophesied concerning Jesus. Come on now. Isaiah prophesied concerning Jesus. Let's look at this. Listen, God has an assignment for you from the Spirit assigned to your spirit. And we need to find this. Now I'm going to show you two examples and I'll give you the third one because I just about jumped on it here. I'm going to give you three examples of how something was spoken of someone that later on came into being long before they came in. They showed they was already their destiny was already prescribed or spoken of to walk in. Look over this in Genesis chapter 15. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter. I'm telling you right now, you're not insignificant. I'm, I'm telling you, God knows about you. He knows that you were created for this time, that you're in the earth for this time, and there's something He needs you to do and wants you to do while you're here. He has something assigned to you to get out of you to help humanity. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in Genesis 15, verses 13 through 14. Uh, it says this, God said to Abram, Know for certain. To who? Abram. He hadn't even got a name change yet. And when he went to Abram, if you went a couple chapters earlier, he said, Abram, I'll make a great nation out of you. Not a religion. God's always been about a nation. And when they reject, Israel rejected God, he said, Samuel, don't cry, they rejected me as king. That's why they made Saul king. Because they wanted to see a seen king and not the unseen king. Come on now. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 tells us this, that we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Everybody take a breath. Breathe out. All right, do it again. Breathe out. Okay, what just happened? Because you ain't seeing it, but you just sucked in oxygen. Now, scientifically, we can tell you that's, what is that, O2? O2. And then we exhaled a different kind of gas called CO2, carbon dioxide. Watch this. Ready? You want to see it? Did you just see that? Right here. Watch. Now, watch the air in front of me right here. It's going to transform right in front of your eyes. It's going to go from oxygen to carbon dioxide. Ready? Watch. Did you see that? No, you didn't see that, did you? But now if we measured it, if we captured it, then we could determine that did take place. And what happened 
here changed when I went there. This environment here changed to this environment there. It was temporary and that changed. Come on, you with me now? And it's real because if this wasn't real, we'd all be turning blue and dying right now. Go ahead, hold your breath and see. You see what I'm saying? See, the unseen is more real than the seen because out of that realm, this realm exists. It's very significant. Everything's coming from that realm. Everything's coming from God. He's speaking to us. Hallelujah. And He wants to talk to us and He wants to put us on a course and a destiny that He's already made a way for you and He's brought every piece of provision for you to overcome and accomplish that assignment. So here he is to Abram. Before Abram's ever into uh, his covenant name, Abraham, he's not even moved into covenant with Abraham yet, but it says, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be what? Enslaved and oppressed for what? 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. Now, the Lord spoke this. Who's He talking about here? Moses. Because this is the nation of Israel. See, Abram has not beget Isaac yet, and Isaac has not beget Jacob, and Jacob has not yet turned into Israel, and Israel has not yet had his four different wives where they popped out twelve kids. This hadn't even happened yet. And out of those twelve kids, one was a dreamer who got a dream from God concerning his family bowing down and worship him, a future event that was assigned to his spirit man that he got from the spirit, and yet he believed it and his brothers didn't. Why? Because he had an assignment of purpose in him. And that boy then was thrown into a well, later sold to slavery into the house of Potiphar, whose wife wrongly accused him of raping her and thrown in jail. And then, Pharaoh has a dream about seven fat cows. And then seven skinny cows that come up out the Nile and eat them. And then he has it with the corn, same type of dream. And there was the cupbearer who two years previous had gotten a uh, report or an interpretation of a dream from Joseph and remembered him and told Pharaoh about it, and they brought Joseph. At that point, he interprets the dream, tells him what's going to take place, and there's seven years of plenty. they got so much stuff going on, it's incredible. Then all of a sudden, the seven years of famine take place, right? I mean, we're talking hundreds of years have passed since this conversation. Hundreds of years. And then, Pharaoh begins to buy up everybody. The land, they own everyone. And then finally, Israel, who thinks his son Joseph is dead, sends his boys to get food from Egypt. That's this land. And they then end up getting reunited with their brother and Israel and the family come to Egypt and live in the land of Goshen. And one day, Joseph dies, the Bible says, and then a Pharaoh rose up who did not know him and enslaved the nation of Israel because they were multiplying like rabbits. Okay? Come on now, you with me? And then they were enslaved for 432 years. 
But in the process, because they were multiplying so much, Pharaoh says, kill all the boys. And the midwives wouldn't do it. And so he said, two years and younger, kill them all. Well, Moses is born. And, and mom and dad said he was beautiful. And that beautiful didn't mean he looked good. That means they recognized there was a destiny assigned to him. And they hid him away for about three months and then put him into a, uh, 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 a basket and sent him down the Nile while his sisters followed and goes up to Pharaoh's house where his daughter's at and she takes him out of the Nile and names him Moses. Who later becomes the prince of Egypt. Woo, come on now. And Hebrew tells us that he forsook the riches and the fame of being known as Pharaoh's daughter to go to become a man of God. And he kills an Egyptian trying to, on his own, help his nation and flees and is gone for 40 years in the wilderness watching a bunch of sheep. He's learning relationships. And along the while, while he's out shepherding, hundreds of years later, a burning bush takes place and he's... How is that burning yet? It's not being consumed. And he turned towards it and the Lord saw that it got his attention. And he says, Moses, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. And he began to ask him who he was and what was going on. And the Lord began to read, my people have been enslaved and I hear their cries and I'm sending you to deliver them. Not him, but Moses. See, God needs a man. God needs a man or a woman to believe Him at His Word and fulfill that assignment. Because see, God didn't go up in there by Himself. He needed a man to believe Him at His Word. And He said, Moses, I'm going to put you before Pharaoh and you'll be God to Pharaoh and Aaron will be your prophet. And He told him, He said, when you go up there, He ain't going to listen to you. And through much trial and tribulation, and much to the nation of Israel who loved Him when He came but hated Him after they got whipped a little bit, but after 432 years, come on, oppressed for 400 years, 432 years exactly, guess what? God judges that nation, and Moses walks out of Egypt, and they take all the wealth of that land. In 24 hours, the nation of Israel was the poorest nation on the planet. The whole nation was slaves on nothing. And in 24 hours, they became the wealthiest nation and took back from the Egyptians. Got all the way up to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh said, man, I'm going to kill them. You know what? I can't believe I did this. And what happens? God parts the Red Sea through Moses, who lifts up his hand, right? They come through on dry ground, and the seas fall over on, and they've been delivered. This was fulfilled... In Exodus chapter 12, verse 35 through 41. Here, I'll tell you, 889 years later. Here's God speaking of a man who's not yet born. You see what I'm saying? He'll do this for you. There is an assignment to your life from the Spirit of God that wants to impact you and, and listen, did Moses have provision to accomplish his assignment? All he needed was the word of his king 
That's all he needed. But the Lord helped him along because he couldn't comprehend just that. He said, well, what if they don't believe? He said, what you got in your hand? I said, he said, okay, I'm going to anoint that thing. Throw it down. It turned into a snake and he picked it back up. You see what I'm saying? So he gave him to everything he needed. He didn't need money. Come on now. He didn't need money. He didn't. All he needed was the word of the king and to operate and follow him at his word. And I'm going to tell you, man, things transferred into his life. I mean, he wasn't, he had food. He had clothing. He was fully provided for to accomplish the task. And he stood before the greatest nation on the planet and said, you let this nation go. That's big. Why? Because something was assigned to him. Well, who else did this happen to? Turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. Man, you getting this tonight? Isn't this good? Man, I'm telling you right now, you may not know it, but Anchor Faith Church has been in the heart of God long before I ever showed up on the planet. Because the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 says, And when this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations as a testimony, then the end will come. God has ordained this body to be able to communicate that message into the earth that there is a king and if you receive Christ as your Lord, you'll become a child of the king and the king will provide for his kids and we are to proclaim that gospel. We have an assignment. Valdosta has a date with the Word that God is giving to us and to walk in. And you have a part to play in it. You're not here by accident. There's something in your spirit, man, that says come to this place and be here. And you want to connect to that thing. Because I'm going to tell you, greatness is in you. You may not see it today. Listen, Moses didn't see all that when he was growing up. I mean, growing up in the palace of Egypt, man. He could have thought, well, I'll be a prince one day, you know. And, I, and I'll rule over things. Only to not to know and fully discover that, you know what, there's a people. I will have you sh- uh, bankrupt this whole nation and bring another nation out. My gosh, man, to get revelation of that. You may not see all the greatness you're going to do today, but God will begin to reveal it to you. There's greatness in you. There's an assignment to your spirit, man. Okay, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 says this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah prophesied to two people. This is an individual he prophesied for that would make preparation and would prepare the way of the Lord. Amen? Do we know who this is? It's John the Baptist. Long before he came. And I remember asking the Lord once, I said, Lord, I mean, man, these people are free will moral agents. How in the world could you guarantee that they actually do what you said when you prophesied about them? And that's when he told me, he said, look, I'm the beginning and the end. I already know who will submit to my will and do it so that's why I can prophesy about them. Because I know they'll obey me. And he'll, listen, do you want God to echo your name long before you show planet earth? Man, be the one that's going to submit to his will and he knew that you were going to and he'll start speaking about you. Glory to God. Amen. Why? Because there's an assignment. This scripture is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. John the Baptist, come on, came out of the wilderness, man, and he was preaching. Prepare, he was preparing the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, there's another man that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It says, a son will be given to us, a child will be born to us. Come on, look over there, let's look at this. This is, this is something 
See, we get all kind of scriptures, but then we get all kind of other stuff too by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Look at this. He says this, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his what? Government or of the peace of... Or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteous, righteousness. From then on and forever the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Well who's that spoken of? Jesus. Amen. He was able to speak concerning his son that would come years later. Thousands of years later. Spoke of this man. He spoke of John the Baptist. And he spoke, why? Because there's something before they were ever born that was assigned to them to walk and carry out. Hallelujah. Amen. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Well, do you understand the Bible says this, that God's not a respecter of person. That means what He'll do for one, He'll do for the other. Now your assignment may be different than mine, but you'll have an assignment nonetheless. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why God is having an encounter with you. There's something He wants to reveal to you. Hallelujah. I never would have thought that a boy from Archer, Florida... Yeah, do you even know where that's at? I mean, it's so little. I mean, there are little jokes that we say we're from L.A. Little Archer. I mean, he got one light. And we really didn't even need that light, to be honest with you. I, I really think maybe the county felt sorry for us or something. I'm not sure. I mean, it's small. It's small. And I remember growing up there, man, it, my neighborhood seemed so big. Only nine houses were in my little... You went in, a little roundabout, came back out. And I, and I remember riding my bike. It just seemed like it was such a big thing. But I go back there today and it's like, you're done. You're in and out, man. I mean, it's like, dink. You know what I'm saying? I guess being little like that, everything looks bigger. And here I am from a little obscure town, man. I never would have thought, never when I got born again at nine years old, that someday the Lord would send me to Burma, India, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, to pastor a church, have one in St. Augustine, one in Valdosta, we're going to launch one in Puerto Rico, working on things in Nicaragua. Never would I have thought that, ever. I mean, at nine years old, I wanted to be an astronaut. That's what I thought. And personally, I don't really care about flying, to be honest with you. I actually applied to the Air Force Academy when I was a freshman in high school. And they would have accepted me because my scores were good, but I was a freshman. But before I graduated, I ended up not going. My dad passed away right after I graduated from high school, about 15 days. And I had a younger brother who has passed away, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I don't want to give the eight years away from my brother, and I mean, I just didn't know what to do in life, to be honest with you. I had a scholarship right out of high school. I mean, I was floundering. I had no, because there was something in me. There was something God was calling me to, and I didn't recognize it. And then one day I met this girl. Man. <laughs> and my world changed. My whole life. And I had to go a whole other direction. And I realized, man, I was fixing it. I was serious. I said, I'm going to marry this person. And I came to myself and realized I was an idiot and I didn't know nothing. And the only thing I remembered was God is the best. 
So, I need to get serious with God if I'm fixing to get into this relationship. And so I did. And that was the course to where God, over a time frame of years, I got back in church. My wife and I, we've had kids. And, and through the process of this, God calls me to ministry. In Georgia, no less. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I would moved up there with my father-in-law. And uh, I was working at Raylock. Uh, there in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was traveling. I was a computer operator, and I was praying, and all of a sudden my windshield disappeared, and I saw me preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. I began to weep and cry, and I didn't have tinted windows. You know, and I realized I've been called to ministry. I went home and told my wife, you know, later that, well, the next day, because I was doing a second shift, so she's asleep when I got home. And I, I, and I told her, and in her mind, she's like, you're crazy, man, because I didn't get into this thing to marry a preacher at all. But lo and behold, and she'll be here. She's doing some classes down in St. Augustine. She's got a few more weeks left in that class, Kingdom Institute, and then she'll be back up with us when that's done. Amen? Hallelujah. But I'll tell you, I, I never would have dreamed that on my own, but God had an assignment for me. Amen. And you know what's so exciting? That this assignment has brought me into your lives. And I'm excited about this. But see, I had an assignment at one time in Stark. And I met this man right here. When he was, you know, well, he's still about the same size, man. I mean, really. I mean, you were taller than me then. You're taller than me now, you know. And uh, 16 years old, man, met Jimmy. We called him Jimmy James back then. And, I mean, who would have thought that over a course of time we'd get reunited? We're going to do great things, man. There's an assignment. On our lives. This man, Josh Clay, he's told, he said, wherever you go, I go, I'm assigned to you. Well, praise God. Why? Because there's an assignment on people's lives to be and doing certain things. Why? Long before we were ever born, God's got something great for us. Hallelujah. You're not a mistake. It's not an act. All you got to do is press in and seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and God start revealing Himself to you. Now let's look at this in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 10. He says, now for we, say that's me. Say that's me. Come on. Come on, say, that's me. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I'm telling you right now, the greatest life that you can live on this planet is to live a life submitted to God because He has everything in place for you. Your daddy is a king. He owns the earth. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. Isaiah 89.11 says He owns the whole planet. He created it. And that means He can make it at your disposal to carry out His plan. Hallelujah! And He has it prepared. This word good in the Greek means this. Possessions which provide material benefits. I'm telling you, some people are struggling and taking two or three jobs, and the reason why they're barely making ends meet is because they just hadn't found their place yet. If they find their place, the things would come to them. Because God's prepared those things. Let me read this scripture in the Amplified. It says it this way. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths, paths which He 
prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. I'm telling you, your daddy who's the king says, Son, i got your whole life prepared for you. All you got to do is get up in what I need you to do. That's all you got to do. Amen. Your, your, your life is not your job. Your job is just where you make influence for the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Joe, you're not a soldier, which obviously you're not now because you're out, but you understand, you're not a soldier. That's just something you were in. There's something in you that God wants to pull out because that's really who you are. And He'll bring all those things around your life so that you can walk in it. And it is a life of faith. Listen, I don't have to see it, but I can believe for it because I can call those things that be not as though they were because when God says, this is where you're going, then I can believe. You understand, I can see every chair full right now. I can see a whole other campus right now in this city. I mean, I can see this vision, ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. Why? Because God predestined it, He's ordered it, and all the provision for it is already trying to make its way to us. Amen. And in this assignment where we're joined and fitted together, hallelujah, bringing our supply, the body coming together around this vision, I'm telling you, God has a plan for us. Ooh, you want to be on board with this. And you won't get in on the ground level. You don't want to wait to the two, three, four hundred people. Amen. You don't want to wait to that. People want to come in when it's already successful. No, it's been successful the minute we showed up. Because God already prepared it for us. Hallelujah. So this word good again means possessions which provide material benefit. Usually used with reference to movable or storable possessions. Meaning along the way, God's going to start moving possessions that have been stored up for you. Listen, your king has your name on things. There are things in this earth that are assigned to you. Listen, let me help you out. Elijah was in famine and there was this woman's house that he says, I need you to go to this house because I have provision for you there. And so he goes to this woman's house and he knocks on the door. And she answers the door and he says, hey, how are you doing? He says, do you happen to have any food? The Lord has sent me here. And she said, well, all I got is this little bit of meal in the bottom of this barrel. I'm fixing to make a little cake for me and my son and we're going to die. So really she's saying, you got the wrong house because we don't have nothing. Right? But Elijah had a word from the king. And the king says provisions in that house. And so Elijah says, listen, this is what you do. Make me cake first. Provide for me, because the Lord says provision is for me here. And when she did, her barrel never ran dry. See, that meal had an assignment to the life of Elijah and the widow and her son benefited from it. And when she thought she didn't have enough and it's over, when the man of God showed up and because his steps were ordered of the Lord, hallelujah, he turned what lack was into supernatural abundance. Amen. I'm telling you, there are things that are trying to run you down if you'll seek first the kingdom. Because remember what he says? He said, don't be like man. Don't be like the Gentiles who are running after those things. 
He said, no, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all those things will be what? Added. I'm telling you, they're trying to run you down. God's got a path for you. He's got a plan for your life. If you'll find His will, those things are going to try to find you out. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why we got to seek the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now turn over to Romans chapter 8. This is good, isn't it? Amen. See, and listen, long before you showed up. Amen. Some of y'all been on planet Earth a little bit longer than me. Just a little bit, I know. Just a little bit. Amen. And you understand, there's provision for you. And it's not just for you, but it's so that it'll overflow out of you towards others. Why? Because when you're in the kingdom, the king's already got you taken care of, and what he's bringing for you is to overflow into somebody else's life. Glory to God. Amen. It's a good thing the widow woman didn't say, Dude, look at this, we got some food, and kicked him out. I would venture to say that most likely that barrel didn't fill all up. I venture to say that she made his, and the next day there was enough to make that day. Why? Because when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God's not obligated to give you storehouses. God's obligated to provide for you daily. Now that doesn't mean He won't store things up for you because He was storing up in Egypt long before Moses showed up. He was storing up wealth, storing up wealth. Storing up wealth just for Moses to show up in his time, hallelujah, and bring all that spoil all the way back out. And what good was it for Israel? Nothing, because when you're in the wilderness, you can't buy anything. There was no McDonald's around the corner. They weren't out there spending money, because you know they were hungry. Why? And they got thirsty within three days. They shouted, Oh, look what the Lord has done. And then three days later, you are sorry man, Moses. Take us back to Egypt. We're going to die. We're <laughs> so thirsty. Right? Amen. But God had provision. He said, Moses, go get the stick, son. You didn't realize that God's power was contained in a stick that they could throw into some water and all of a sudden, boom. Or that there was a stick that he takes and strikes a rock and boom, it comes out, man. Along the way, he's already got it provided. You didn't realize how much power was in that one staff. Amen. He thought he just picked up a nice stick. But when God got on it. You see what I'm saying? Listen, he'll do this for you. You see what I'm saying? He'll do this for you. But you're not going to get in it if you're not staying connected with him. You can't be saying, oh, okay, look, just get, it's ain't no gimme. He's not a fast food God. It's not, come up and take your little order. Alright, Lord, I'd like to have me some healing today. And can I please have me, you know, a little bit of joy and stuff? And he come around to the window and say, thank you and go. No, it is a walk. It is a life. It's a lifestyle. You're in the government of God where He's the King and we honor Him and we glorify Him. He's our Daddy. And, and if we stay with Daddy and we abide with Daddy, then guess what? We're going to bear much fruit. Woo! If a man remains in me, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. Hallelujah. We're going to abide in the vine. Amen? Alright, Romans chapter 8. Ooh, glory to God. I like preaching in Valdosta. Amen. Verse 29 says, again, I'm going to read out the Amplified. It says this, For those whom He foreknew, well, did He know you? Man, of whom He was aware and loved beforehand. Listen, there is an enemy in this earth, but He's been whipped and stripped of His power. 
But it doesn't mean He won't still try to come and kill, steal, and destroy you. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom He may devour. He wants to stop your progress. But the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. No weapon formed against the church can prosper. If God be for you, we're going to see this. Who? Come on now. He loved us beforehand. It says, He also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of His Son and share inwardly His likeness, that He might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom uh, He thus foreordained, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified, acquitted, made righteous, put them into right standing with Himself. And those whom He justified, He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. What shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Hallelujah. Amen. So tonight we're seeing this. Listen, when we get into God's kingdom, when we confess Jesus as Lord of our lives, Amen. When we say we submit our will to your will, when you become supreme in authority and I become a child of God, then I get to get into the path of where all provision for me has been ordained before I was ever born. For the Bible says this, He is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. He'll make the crooked places straight. And when you get to the obstacle in the middle of the road, it's typically called a mountain. He don't say go around it. He says speak to the mountain and tell it to be moved and it will listen to you. Because we live a life of faith. Amen. And when, done, when you've done all to stand, stand. Why? Because a lot of times God just needs you to stand because your provision is coming there and you don't want to get past its appointment and its divine connection with you. Hallelujah. Why? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And if you're a righteous man or a woman, come on now, and you let Him order your steps, then all along the way, 